0: What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast.
1: Simply the best podcast in dentistry, designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing,
0: and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, Craig and I are very excited. Well, me more than Craig because I have a personal relationship with this next guest. He is my personal doc, um, Dr. Lynn Flowers is on with us. He's an anti-aging and regenerative me- medicine specialist. He's got a fellowship in regenerative regenerative doc. That's a mouthful. How come I can't say that <laughs> regenerative? There you go. Thank you. See, that's why I have a that's why I have a co-host. Um, yeah. Your know, doc <laughs> you is do only is just for that. He's got my he's got my six and always, um, well. always. functional medicine. Also, my personal doc, and um, you know, I, I was on the phone with him the other day for a, a long—I guess it was a phone call. Uh, we were following up on some of my labs, and I was like, you know, what other what are their time do people get to spend an hour on the phone with their doc and just answer all sorts of questions and such? And then I was talking with him further, and I said, hey, do you see clients like outside of your of Atlanta? And he's like, absolutely, we have them like overseas and all all sorts of stuff. I was like, oh, you got to come on the podcast. I think Dennis will benefit from hearing what you're saying. So without further ado, Dr. Lynn Flowers, welcome to the show.
2: Great. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, And as as we talked about the other day, uh, this kind of medicine really um, uh, came about uh, from my search for for health and wellness. And actually my family members, my father uh, had Parkinson's disease. And so I started researching ways to help him where conventional medicine wasn't doing the job. It wasn't taking care of him and, um, Wow! Really, discovered a whole area of science that's uh, looking uh, at um, the regenerative part, and actually, what I call interventional preventive medicine. So, there's very good science that looks at how do what keeps us healthy and well, not just what makes us sick.
1: So, what is the breakdown between what how you practice? So, like, what's the difference, I should say, between like integrative medicine versus like traditional
2: medicine? So, part of it is that we're looking for. Uh, tools that are not just drugs or surgery or medications. So we're looking for a more natural and holistic Mm -hmm. approach, but it's also how we go about it. Just kind of like what you talked about spending the time doing a more comprehensive look, knowing what the person is going is about what they're going through, what their environment is like. And like, like in your case, you know, what do you do for a living? So -hmm. that can really um, tell us a lot about what, what, um, Problems and, and diseases you're more likely to encounter, uh, based on that. So it really takes a, a more comprehensive look at the whole person.
1: You know, I had thought over my years, I had thought that I had a lot, of, a very comprehensive look at my healthcare. And until I went through the panel and, and kind of got my eyes wide open to some of the things that you suggested, we track based on the occupational hazards that that I had. It was kind of eyes wide open, and I couldn't unhear kind of some of the things you were saying. um what are some of the biggest, well, you know, we can use me as kind of a, a litmus. Like, honestly, I'd never had my cortisol or my hormones tested from mm-hmm. a stress mm-hmm. component. And mm-hmm. I think Craig can, can attest that dentists are probably one of the more high-stressed subsets mm-hmm. of occupations, simply because Craig and I joke that our, our success and our failure are measured in millimeters versus like… oh Micro-millimeters, actually. micro <laughs> right? A
0: millimeter is an overt failure. A micron is a pretty large <laughs> failure.
1: Yeah. And we're dealing in, you know, a high stress and on time and dealing in a wet, wet two inch by two inch square that we have to keep dry. You know, it's just like, you know, so I think that's why my cortisol's off, all, off the charts mm-hmm. when, when you mm-hmm. finally measured it, um, which was explaining a lot of the reasons why I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, you know, all these things. So I'm not trying to hijack kind of what, where you want to go with this, but I think that's kind of a good place to kind of interject, you know, especially in dentistry, the stress component and, and making sure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so talk about that for a second, the lab measurements and the cortisol and things that you track that maybe the traditional doc or the family, well, uh, the town physician wouldn't be tracking. But right, before,
0: right. Before you jump mm-hmm. into that too, I, I just wanna draw one like kind of contextual uh, idea around this whole concept. It's like in medicine, um, and I, I say this a lot, so for those who listen frequently, are probably gonna know this already, but in medicine, the doctor is typically focused on getting patients unsick. Uh, the demands on the healthcare system, you know, like Pete was mentioning, spent an hour with you on the phone. The demands in the healthcare system is that we have a rationed system. So everybody gets a portion of healthcare. We can't afford to give true healthcare to everyone.
1: Because of time, mm-hmm. you mean?
0: Because of time and the constraints in the system and stuff like that. So medicine in, in, its, in its form now is focused on getting you unsick. So if a guy mm-hmm. like Pete or I show up to the traditional medical doctor's office, so like, what's wrong with you? Like, well, nothing. We'll get the hell out of here. Call me when you're sick. Mm-hmm. And in dentistry, and this is a dental podcast, we focus on getting people optimally healthy. So You show up in your imagination. We, we get you up into good health and then when you start showing up for routine care we start talking about elective stuff and getting you even more optimally healthy mm-hmm. and it's really a very much alike your business is very much like the dental model in that you're taking people who are otherwise healthy you know nothing wrong they have no chief complaint or the chief complaint may be something like I'm tired all the time or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I have a little you know a little cough or something like that but they're not really really sick So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's cool that you have a very similar model to the dental model where you're getting people well. I
2: like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can come, you can come not sick. So I see a lot of people that uh, they're not, they're not sick. They want to be healthy and well, or um, Hey, you know, their, their father had a heart attack and they see the handwriting on the wall or they have family history or, or cancer or whatever it is that, or, or they just see the changes in aging that, they're slowing down, they don't handle stress as well, they're getting overweight, uh, they're tired, their sexual performance is off. And so all of those to me though, are critical medical signs that uh, there are changes that are coming up that are setting you up for disease. So this whole mm-hmm. concept of anti-aging is actually anticipating what's happening with our body and what's making us more susceptible. What are the most likely things to go after? And so, so that's why that's important as well. And then and then part of that is, you know, like uh, Peter was talking about, the stress reaction and cortisol. So when we look at um, this thing called the neuroendocrine theory of aging, we age more rapidly when our hormones decline. And so, and most of our hormones decline as we age, whether it's testosterone or estrogen in women or growth hormone or whatever, except for two. And actually, insulin and cortisol are two of the common ones that actually increase as we age. Those are the things that increase our aging they disrupt our glucose control and glucose metabolism, which is another place where we look for um, optimization. So the stress response um, is critical. And so it may not even be perceptible. Sometimes people, they say, well, you know, I'm really busy and I don't sleep much, but it's because I'm busy and I don't, you know, their life is not distressful, but it's, it's the chronic stress that's actually causing biologic changes that if not corrected is gonna accelerate their aging and and lead to
1: disease. Because it wears out the endocrine system you're
2: saying? Well, it it, it wears out your cellular health. And so you need cortisol to live. You need a normal amount to um, run from the tiger when there's danger, but you kind of live in this flight or fight state constantly, that cortisol. So then all your cells and your brain is just bathed in all this cortisol. So then that that disrupts all of that. Cortisol is a catabolic hormone, so it breaks down your tissue and starts to rob your, your protein from your muscles, and also even affects your brain function. So when you're chronically stressed like that, you become fuzzy-headed. Your memory's not as good. Uh, so, so we have to find ways of natural medicine to help with that. But then that's we talk about. We teach well self-awareness. What is going on in my life? How do I learn ways to train my brain to to calm down and to repair and and then, of course, you know, we'll talk about this probably in a moment, but nutrition is a, is sort of the foundation of all of that when we, we come and look at, at your overall health.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, not only does uh... – what you think about affect your physical health and your cortisol levels. It actually affects the ability to solve problems and your mental capacity. I mean, it's like if you're in a stressed out state and, and, and there's that, you know, that Gary V hustle, hustle idolatry that's going on like that. The achiever now, people brag about how hard they work. Oh, you, you know, I haven't taken a day off in ten, you know, ten mm-hmm. years. No, I haven't taken a day off in twenty years. Like it's almost like it's some badge of honor to wear that you're working and struggling so hard and that you're hustling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's unfortunate what what we're looking towards.
2: Yeah, huge reduction in your productivity. You know, so if you just go go go, then you're never um, restoring, you're never recharging, you're never letting your brain sort of calm down to, to refocus. You're just basically running on the, the, the wheel and you're never really getting anywhere. You know, so um, it's, it's interesting when we look at a kind of a bigger picture of health and wellness as um, um, that's a part of uh, an, an asset for you, right? You know, we always think about our business and our business plan and financial assets, but your health is the most important asset of, that, of all and it's, the, it's really the most critical you know, cause if you lose money in the stock market, you can usually recoup that or go out and make more money, but you lose your health, you can't just go buy more health, you know, mm-hmm. so that's a critical piece of that. Hmm.
1: So when you, when you have someone that comes on, like why is your panel so thorough and like, what are the top three things you think that people should be looking at that, um, and it can be related to dentist or maybe, um, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but what are some things that you see like that are that, that are not being tracked in traditional physicals, if you will, and then yeah, um, that, are, that are eye-opening for
2: you. So just thinking about um, our health and aging in general and what accelerates that. And so there's, there's just kind of these recurring themes in health and wellness and, and disease risk that occur. Um, inflammation. And so some, some people even have made this, called this term inflammaging, so they kind of combine that. Mm-hmm. So inflammation uncontrolled, it can be silent. And so we've got to check those levels. You don't always realize that that's going on, so that's hurting ourselves. Um,
1: and what are the markers uh, of that that you that you got that you track? Like uh,
2: so just- typically, we look at things like C-reactive protein, and so we look at the hsC-reactive protein, which has been well correlated with cardiovascular risk. Uh, we look at something called LPPLA2, which is actually um, looking at um, blood vessel uh, inflammation. And then one of the other ones we commonly look at is fibrinogen. So those are the ones that are easily measured. Um, a lot of the standard labs will actually get those too. Uh, there's probably a dozen more that some of the special labs can measure, but commonly that's the ones that um, that we're looking at. Um, so it's
1: kind of like the overall thermometer of inflammation in your body almost, if you kind of just get you an idea of like kind of, that's the best way I've been told to kind of describe it is that you know inflammation is the is the source of all illness almost oh
0: right. oh yeah yeah and, and that's one lynn that's what doc well that's one of the big uh, correlations between untreated periodontal, periodontal disease as well so people that are going around with active gum disease that lpla and your mm-hmm. mm-hmm. proteins are circulating through your body the amount of um contact between the gingival epithelium like all the surrounding tissues of all the teeth if you like laid it out linear it would be like the largest wound entrance or entrance point mm-hmm. into your body mm-hmm. ever so it's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a big thing sorry yeah
2: not surprising why the dental health is um seen as a as a health or risk factor for cardiovascular disease definitely is coming from from that that area mm-hmm. uh, and, and many times in one of the panels that we do and we're looking at advanced cardiovascular panels because cardiovascular disease is the, still the biggest killer right so a third of all deaths are going to be related to cardiovascular disease But the things that we do that we're looking out for like um, inflammation, the other one is oxidation. So hyperoxidation. And then the third thing is glycation. So glucose control in the body. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a handle on all those things, not only does that include increased cardiovascular risk, (laughs) but, but interestingly, that's a thing that increases neurodegenerative risk, right? So, so the cognitive function, we look at aging. So, so there's physical and there's mental, and then of course, uh, emotional, so the stress part of that. So as we age, those are the things that are gonna, impact our quality of life. And then the other kind of different concept that we look at is not just your lifespan. So, so longevity is good. We, we think that we're probably helping to improve that, but I'm looking at health span, right? My, I wanna increase my years of um, uh, productivity and good quality of life, activity, mobility. I wanna have my brain function good. And so I want to do that for as long as possible. And so those are kind of the top three things that are really going to influence all of that.
1: So I had I cut you off when you say, when I said, what are you measuring? And so you went with inflammation and I, we jumped right into this. What are, were mm-hmm. some of the other ones you just, just mentioned?
2: Um, so for oxidation, we usually look at um, something called myeloperoxidase. So mm-hmm. again, a very, and that, that marker has also been correlated with cardiovascular risk. And so that's, that's a gauge. Um, and then of course, glycation for that. So most of the time now, you might get a fasting blood sugar in a regular panel, but um, and right now, sometimes they're not even looking at your hemoglobin A1C. So fasting blood sugar is a snapshot for that day. A1C is looking at glycosylated hemoglobin looking back 90 to 120 days. So how good a control do you have over time? And then the third test in glycation is that we're actually measuring insulin levels right off the bat. know that 10 years before people become diabetic, the insulin levels start to rise.
1: Let's so, say that again. So ten, 10 years before someone has signs of being diabetic, they have...
2: 10 years before they're diagnosed diabetic, insulin levels start to climb. Is this, is this
1: metabolic syndrome?
2: So that's part of metabolic
1: syndrome. A part of it, right.
2: okay. Insulin resistant. So that maybe even it before it becomes pre-diabetes, these people are insulin resistant. So,
0: so interesting, as you're talking, I'm Googling stuff that myeloperoxidase... It uh-huh. is an inflammatory marker for periodontal disease, so it shows up before people are diagnosed with periodontal disease. Oh, right. yeah. 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 Previous studies, yeah. with, uh, conclusion levels of MPO were found to be higher in rats with induced periodontal disease, confirming the hypothesis that MPO serves as an inflammatory marker for periodontal disease. It's amazing, huh?
2: So you can pick that up, and this is why probably studies looking at omega-3s so kind, of look, kind of jump ahead a little bit, but omega-3s are wonderful for bringing down inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so certainly in that respect too, and so, um, so that's just one of the, the, an easy way to get a reflection on what's going on in the body and what their risks are. and they don't feel it. You don't feel your myeloperoxidase.
0: Yeah, of course. You You don't feel hypertension. You feel the heart attack.
2: Exactly. So you get the end result. After all that's done.
1: One of the simplest thing that I think you, you stress to me all the time is, is how, um, how a vitamin D deficiency is pretty much, you know, pandemic in today's society. Mm-hmm. Uh, with mm-hmm. people and and how important it is as a precursor for almost you know some much hormone function and all the things I don't even know about but I know that you know that's one of one of the things I struggle with is getting enough of that and it's can you can you stress how how number one how simple that is to to fix and then how how important it is in um, in just you know wellness
2: yeah, and it's pervasive, right? So vitamin D deficiency, if we look and measure the majority of the population, so more than 50% of the population is going to have a deficiency in, in vitamin D. So wow. vitamin D is associated with so many different things, especially, of course, everyone knows bone density and bone support, uh, particularly uh, think about perimenopausal women, you know, they need to have, you know, the best bone density that they, they can have probably in that stage of life. But it also is involved, very important in immune function in the body, and so that's why when we look at studies at cancer risk, cancer risk and low vitamin D go together, and that's been proven for cancers like melanoma and colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, um, because vitamin D is essential in modulating the immune system. And then, of course, as we age, then we get decrement in, in immune function many times, and so that's that's a um, hugely important and simple thing that we should be doing is one of those numbers you should always know. You should know what your blood pressure is, you should know what your cholesterol is, you should know what your vitamin D level is. And those are you know, easy things. I
1: always just took that for granted. Like, oh, I go out in the sun, and oh, I drink milk, or warm time to time, or you know, <laughs> I just I just figured like that was just like a vitamin that you just got, right? I had no idea it was as, you know. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. deficient or pervasive and deficient as it, as it is. <laughs> um, maybe Craig needs some because he keeps coughing in the damn I microphone. Absolutely.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's been some studies correlating respiratory illness and vitamin D, right? That's Craig, what's your problem.
1: vitamin D level since he. Just uh, uh, 6.3 went, this morning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the cause right there, pal. There it is right there. Yeah. Let's, let's get him a Flintstone vitamin stat. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Yeah. He has a hard time taking pills, doc. So we have to get him chewables.
0: Yeah. I uh, have the Flintstone chewables are so nice. The gummies. actually. <laughs>
1: I got, I got so
0: many questions, man. Yeah. But this cough, this cough sucks. But uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, and I don't want to jump too far ahead cause I'm sure you got, you're on this. I, I don't go to uh, a proactive medical doctor like you are. I go to the, you're not sick, get out of here guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we do have a lot of medical clinics around here that are, you know, one, one in my town called the Bio Station, and they test mm-hmm. your hormone levels, but they're just, they're not like this holistic approach. So you can go to your medical doctor and then you can go there to find out if your hormones are low and all that stuff. Right. And a lot of my buddies, you know, we're all about the same age. I'm 47 years old. and My buddies are hovering right about my age and older. A lot of them are starting to take Um, supplements like hormone supplements. And I was always very reticent to want to do that because I thought that, you know, hormones fuel all growths, whether they're, you know, beneficial or malignant. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what's the idea about, I mean, is part of your practice hormone replacement or hormone enhancement? Mm
2: -hmm. um, Absolutely. And that's really a cornerstone. So it's not the only thing though. So we put it in context of your overall health and wellness and what your individual need is. Testosterone, particularly for men. So in, if we, if we track levels over, over time, so as we age, we lose testosterone about one to 2% a year from our twenties. And so it's more of a gradual process. And men, we get what we call andropause. Women get menopause. Menopause is usually more dramatic for a woman or they know they're going through mm-hmm. the change. But we kind of gradually just kind of decline, and, um, and it's subtle, so people don't really pay attention. And a lot of times the subtlety is actually kind of our energy level, our motivation, our mental capacity. By the time people start complaining about um, sexual function, that's usually one of the last things to happen to us physically. The other silent things that are happening to us, and I can, I can pick these people out at the airport, at the mall, you know, the belly starts to grow. You know, they get what we call skinny fat. Their legs are really little, but their belly's big. Mm. Um, you want know, to stand up for me and show? So you get a little bit of uh, a dad, bat. Dad, dad bod, dad dad bod. bod, Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so um, that's kind of where that kind of starts. So think about it: chronic stress, high cortisol, low testosterone.
1: That's so you that's, the, you know, that's, that's the body. That's metabolic syndrome. I got mm. it. Okay.
2: Right. So to me, that's a risk sign for metabolic syndrome.
1: I agree with you, Craig. I think a lot of people associate like, oh, putting testosterone in their body with steroids or something anabolic, right? It's like, I'm not doing that stuff. Um, but it's really just a <laughs>
0: – <laughs> no, we're, we're chatting. Pete just goes uh... – Mute your mic when you cough, and I write F-U-L-O-L. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I cough, right? I'm, I'm sorry. It's true. I have a mic in my face. But I worry about that. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, I'm i sure that, that …
1: Um, what are you worried about? Go back to I, that. I,
0: well, I just uh, … Are there independent studies that show that when you do hormone enhancement therapy that neoplasms grow, uh, cancer, cancer … There's,
2: there's it's actually been, so it's a really a myth about um, prostate cancer and testosterone, common okay. myth. Interesting. Been, been proven that that doesn't cause cancer. Does not cause cancer.
0: Interesting. In fact,
2: the men that got prostate cancer that had low testosterone seem to have more aggressive forms, and they don't do as well as the men that have normal testosterone. Interesting. And so, so there's a there's a Harvard urologist, um, Abe Morgenthaler. And so he really, he actually wrote a great book called Testosterone for Life. So that'd be, it's, a, it's, a, it's not, a, not a hard read. You know, it has kind of all the background science that's related uh, to that and really dispels that myth, but it's kind of a tradition of medicine. So a lot of doctors still believe that. That's kind of what we were taught. You just kind of believe what your teachers, you know, taught you in school. And, um, and now we realize that, hey, there's really no evidence about this. There's nothing that proves that could it promote growth if you have a prostate cancer? Um, well, sure. So I would never give a guy that has prostate cancer, uh, testosterone. Mm-hmm. Good job. Okay, and so, <laughs> he just muted
1: his phone during that's, the call. That's awesome. that's, he's learning. Um,
2: so, so there's no, um, there's no evidence that there's a direct link to causing uh, a prostate uh, cancer. But Interesting. when you're testosterone deficient, it's also you're more likely to have metabolic syndrome. You're more likely to have that insulin resistance. Um, Men are more likely to have osteoporosis. So if you think of women having that, that a quarter to a third of hip fractures are still men. And so those are the guys that I see osteoporosis that have been chronically uh, testosterone deficient.
0: What about, um, uh, you know, obviously Pete and I are guys, so I'm sorry to uh, alienate the female listeners, but what would testosterone, uh, well, actually it probably be a factor for women as well, but what would testosterone Correct. do to your hair? Won't it- so, w- Want to allow your hair to fall? Want to promote? Well, if you're
2: genetically susceptible, so it's not everybody. So we have, you know, there are tons of people, you know, on good levels of testosterone, no change in hair. There are some people that genetically, if you're predisposed to male pattern baldness, um, the other thing is doing appropriate dosing and checking levels, right? Right? You want to know what your level is. It needs to be in the normal range. You know, we want it high normal, but I don't, you don't need to have, you know, superhuman levels of testosterone. Um, you have to look at the derivatives of testosterone. So that's why we check levels on a regular basis for anybody that's on hormone therapy.
1: Alright, I want to make sure you guys run and don't walk to sign up for the next summit. I know this summit's coming a little earlier than the traditional October one like we had last year, but this one's going to be awesome. It's going to be in LA. It's going to be in June. The weather's going to be nice. The waves are going to be crashing. We're going to be surfing. It's going to be a blast. It's also over the Father's Day weekend, which make a vacation out of it. Bring your fam. That's what Craig and I are doing. Anyway, we're kind of looking at all the agenda right now, and and we're just super excited. We've got a jam-packed list of, of speakers coming you know guys like Brian Caleo um, you know we've got a bunch of marketing experts uh, we've got Jason Tyson I don't want to tell you everything um, but it's gonna be awesome for real and and the the content will be different than the last summit so even if you went to the last summit Don't think that it's going to be a regurgitation of the same thing. We are going to follow some of the same principles in what we do, you know, the pillars that we talk about, but it's going to be a different content, different energy, um, and we're going to bring new and current information. So get to the registration. See if you can get one of those early birds. If not, it's still going to be action-packed and value-packed. So come on. See you in L.A. For more info and to check out the registration page, go to bulletproofsummit.com. So that's a good point. Kind of talking about you know optimum levels as opposed to just you know saying like more is better kind of thing. So you're keeping mm-hmm. it at. So what age do we kind of have that optimum level? <laughs> twenty five. Um, yeah, yeah, twenty. That's what I would yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, From the twenties, you know, then it's all downhill after that, right? Really. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of you know the body you know compensates a lot. So you know you may be you know a thousand or so when you're younger, but as it drifts down, you still have normal function until you reach kind of critical mass. And so certainly uh, um below five hundred, we start seeing more metabolic changes with that. Below, say, four hundred, have a harder time making lean body mass and then other changes start happening. So, so yeah, almost I'm probably, like, like
1: two fifty. Without having good without having hormones optimal, like not not it, it'd be really hard even with a good diet and good exercise to really show any kind of of progress, especially for guys over forty, kind of thing. Is that
2: so? It's so it's interesting you say that. So that's kind of the first thing I do is like I look at nutrition, nutritional deficiencies, chronic stress lowers your testosterone, um, inactivity. So I've had people come, you know, particularly thirties, forties, and they said, "I have a low T, I feel terrible, you know, I want, you know, I want testosterone." So I say, "Well, let's look at all the other things that could be going on medically." Mm-hmm. I've had people. Um, almost double their testosterone by getting on a good nutrition, controlling their stress, bringing down their cortisol, getting in the gym. Okay. yeah, I heard like
0: weightlifting increases testosterone. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So you know, particularly oddball. in a younger male, those are things to do because you're, our whole premise is that we're helping your body restore itself and rebalance and heal itself. You know, it's almost like anything. You, you, then you get to a certain point, a certain age where maybe, you know, testicular function is just not going to compensate anymore and their symptoms then that's when we start entertaining what are the ways that we can boost your own natural testosterone. And then if that's to a point, then maybe doing replacement in a physiologic level and monitoring them, you know, that's interesting.
0: So how Pete, just a p- personal question, how often do you visit Dr. Flowers?
1: Is it a one, um, visit once test every three to six months, depending on oh, wow. what we're tweaking. So mm-hmm. I get a full blown like big ass panel. Um, just because, you know, and some of the listeners know we we've had, you know, stem cell people on and, you know, I've talked about my bio journey and such, but, mm. you know, I probably, um, you know, I, I want to know, I want to know the data. Um, and we're still like after two years still tweaking things because I'm not, you know, I'm not the specimen of health. Um, mm. especially from a cardiovascular, vascular standpoint. Why
0: do you say that? What's, what's cardiovascularly, what What are you?
1: I just have some Martin, my, my cholesterol is like 4 400,000, I'm just kidding. Um,
0: <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that because I know there was um historically some really cool research about the HDL or what they used to call Yeah, it?
1: the ratio and it's more than that even, doc. But, I mean, we'll let you, we'll let the we'll let yeah. it's more than that. It's the particle size mm-hmm. and there's some other right. markers like the LP that like some some things that pre predis- that predispose you and I have some genetic markers that predispose me because I have my whole genome mapped, right? So I know and Dr. Flowers did some genome testing. So I know like I'm just predisposed on a whole lot of levels um and so that's my achilles heel in my in my health and so we're trying to fix it but greg the statins made me feel like dog shit well like, what is your cholesterol
0: what is your cholesterol two, now it's probably 240 <sighs> 230 okay got it and what was the ratio were you a lot hdl or a lot of the ldl or let's let's let doc talk about that is, is hdl actually bad for you now
2: uh so um hdl is the good cholesterol technically it helps with what we call reverse reverse transport of cholesterol, right? So it helps to recycle your cholesterol in your bloodstream. So it's kind of a dynamic process. So we make most of our cholesterol, the liver produces most of our cholesterol. We absorb some of it, depending on your genetic type then. So, you know, we went through all those years saying low fat, low fat, we meaning the medical community. um, When really we make um, almost Mm -hmm. all of our our cholesterol ourselves is not as much influence that unless you have a particular gene that's going to make you more of an absorber. So now we have to be selective. That's why we like to know at least, a um, I do a short, um, genomic panel looking at cardiovascular disease that helps us figure that out. We even measure markers in the blood. Are you more likely to be an overproducer or an overabsorber, or both? Some people are both. both. That also changes the way it should change the way conventional doctors pick a medicine if they're going to use a drug. But of course we when use you that to a think about statin, right? Like a statin or, or other drugs that block absorption and things like okay. that. We can even look at the genes. So I routinely check for the gene that's going to make you more likely to have an adverse reaction with the statin. Again, something that conventional medicine has access to if they would, but they don't. So I can help people figure that out. And then we tailor it. So it's about individualized medicine based on, you know, what your individual responses and what your you know genomics look like.
0: That's so cool. So is there, I mean, obviously you take out of town patients, but is this a common, is, a, is an office or a, a type of specialty like yours? Well, what, first of all, what do you call a person like you? I, you can't just call them like your family doctor, of course.
2: Right, right. So we practice integrative medicine. Okay. And so so integrative medicine has really come especially unto its own uh, in fact, I just completed, there's a fellowship training at uh, George Washington University, first of its kind. And so we just completed that uh, fellowship. And so it's a master's degree program as well. Uh, and it was really kind of really um, brought out by um, the people that came across with the anti-aging regenerative medicine group. So, so I did the whole fellowship with um, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Regenerative Medicine, their advanced fellowship. There's a board for that, a medical board for physicians completed that. And then some of the faculty from that who've been doing this for a very long time and researching this, um, they partnered with uh, George Washington to create uh, the fellowship there. So it's... now there's actually a medical board for integrative medicine through the board cool. of physician specialties. And um, you have to go through one of these certified accredited um, fellowships to be able to um, sit for the board.
0: That's so cool. So, I had no idea. So we're about trying
2: that. to make it very, it's a very academic. We're trying to look at there's so much out there, which is probably part of the reason why we're talking today is like, there's so much on the internet and people are talking about all these different things that so mm. might work, could work, this supplement. Um, And so in my practice, my job is to help you figure out um, what's the things that are going to be most effective to have the best science for that's safe and is appropriate for you. You know, cause there's a lot of stuff out there.
1: I think what's cool that, that I really liked, Doc's approach was that, you know, it, it was all data. It was all data driven decisions, Craig, and individualized based on my data, as opposed to like go in, you see your doc for 10 minutes, it's like, here, try this, do this Crestor because you have high cholesterol without looking at any kind of markers, anything else, looking at lifestyle, all these things. And so, um, you know, that just kind of really resonated with me. But uh, it, it's unfortunate that, 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 that our healthcare system can't allow that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, mm-hmm.
0: um, we don't have one near me, by the way. I put an in integrative medicine by me, and there's none we have an acupuncturist yeah Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) doc do you see um heavy you know i always as a dentist i actually at one point in my career had high mercury um Mm -hmm. and you know and not because i was placing a lot because i was removing it a lot right and i was wondering if you ever if you've seen any data that suggests that because obviously that comes with you know high levels of uh of mercury comes with an associated depression
2: right Um, yeah brain dysfunction um, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, um, and that's one of the areas we look at when we're we're sort of peeling back the layers. And so, the the other area of medicine that people practice, they call it functional medicine, mm-hmm. um, which that's sort of an approach that that we use sometimes as well. And that's um, looking at all the things like we talked about: what's your environment, what do you do, what could be your potential um, toxins in your environment. In your case, metals, but also could be um, chemicals,
1: chemicals uh, that you're exposed
2: to and the things that are off-gassing all the organic chemicals that you use mm-hmm. and so we have specialty companies that we can even look at um, um, residuals for, for those compounds in there of course we do heavy metals testing uh, for that as well And you know we pick the right person it's not that everybody gets that when they come right. in it depends on what your occupational hazard may be right? right yeah and your symptoms so if they have chronic fatigue and we're going through the list of things and we like most most times we're looking at what's the most likely things that are impacting you and we're looking for impact, right? Bang for the buck, what's going to work? But then as we're going through that, we keep peeling back the layers until we uncover. And we're really looking for more root cause things, <laughs> and not just um, you know something that we so, can appeal yeah, so, I mean- for.
1: I, I would personally recommend every dentist should have a heavy metal test because it's not something that a physician would necessarily put on their panel to say, "Yeah, let's do this too. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe in today's day and age, it's not necessary because we're not placing as many, but there is still the removal, which you yeah, do we're removing a ton though eyes right' removing a ton. the blood uh, the blood brain barrier, you know very easily, mm-hmm. you know, and I always tell people I'm like, look, the Mad Hatter, does anyone know why the Mad Hatter was crazy in Alice in Wonderland?
2: <laughs>
1: Absinthe. Yeah. He had a yeah. he had a, a mercury brimmed hat on, mm-hmm. right? And that was the paint that they used. And so you yeah. know it can it
2: can.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, it's
2: that's actually mercury poison That's very yeah. You know,
0: it's funny is um, patients always ask me, um, are these you know silver fillings bad for me? <clears throat> and the ADA, at least this last I checked, you're really not allowed to tell patients that uh, silver filling. Um, even though mercury is a proven neurotoxin. You're not allowed to tell a patient as far as I know. Pete, please correct me if I'm wrong. You can not tell a patient that this is a, you know, your fillings are a neurotoxin. They should be removed. Correct, Pete? Correct. So the funny thing is, as I say, listen, the ADA um, has some strict standards on what, um, you know, safety of this. And there's been a lot of conclusive evidence about the World Health Organization and the um, FDA and ADA. However, if I take this silver filling out of your head, I'm not allowed to flush it down our toilet because it's considered too toxic for the sewer line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also not allowed to throw it in the trash because it's considered too toxic for our landfills. I have to use amalgam-separated it, You have to however, keep it near your brain. However, I am legally allowed to put it on your number three or 14, which is probably an inch from your brainstem.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So toilet is yeah. definitely too too risky for society but too
2: risky for your brain
0: no problem it's it good get so out go. of the
2: mouth it's a biohazard yes right.
0: but in your you mouth know. there's a special coating in the saliva that <laughs> it's just everybody's interest.
2: gown with mask and special suction yeah. devices to yeah. airflow and they have this big red thing they seal it up as soon as it mm. comes out that's really comforting
0: I, I wonder when <laughs> i mean i don't want to get in trouble and i i but uh, i wonder when we're gonna as a as a our boards and our organizations are gonna finally say, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I wonder. I wonder when it seems like it's 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 amazingly quiet this issue in 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 mainstream society. I mean, people are all up in arms over root canals and yeah. that they're poisonous. The root cause, right? Yeah. The thing on Netflix. Uh-huh. Have
1: you seen that doc? Did you see the documentary uh-huh. that documentary that? I've heard about that. The big that disturbance one. in dentistry for like, uh-huh. oh, yes. Lord.
0: but but Netflix actually pulled it and scrubbed their website of all um, uh-huh. reference to it. It was just done. So it was only out for six weeks. However. Mercury fillings. I'd love to know a statistics. How many people are placing silver mercury fillings right now? I'd I say more than still,
1: 50%. Yeah, I was going to say, I still think it's the most common restoration placed. And wow. how how long does that go on for? Yeah, I don't know. I know Europe has banned them. and Yeah, um, Japan. Yeah, but... Yeah, I agree with you, Greg. And I don't wanna I don't you know, I feel like the, the amalgam thing is beaten to a dead horse. But No, it's actually staying pretty quiet, which is No, a I'm show. saying like but this has been a thing and I wanna keep I wanna keep us on track in terms of Okay, uh, got it. not get on this knocking on your the bandwagon of how we feel about amalgam feelings. I don't, I don't I'm just I'm concerned about, about the dentists that are placing or have removed a lot or, or haven't been tested for mm-hmm, something that mm-hmm. could be, you know insidious so because you know, it doesn't you, you have to actually go through a detox like I had to go through like a whole EDTA and cilantro, uh, cilantro. is that it? Doc, oh, cilantro
2: will glute, help glutathione
1: detox. Uh, glutathione stuff
2: uh-huh. yeah am hey, I saying it right? why don't you just yeah, eat guacamole
0: because that has omega 3 and uh, cilantro yeah it only it was so easy we could just put, eat, we could just put Dr. Well. Flowers out of business just go to Chipotle <laughs>
2: that's right there extra dollar but it's form. worth it <laughs> everybody gets an avocado when they come for their teeth <laughs> don't you,
0: you know <laughs> how to <say> that
1: <laughs> the one other thing that I and I want to break this up into two parts so we're the next thing we're going to talk about is longevity and biohacks which is where you'll really see me come alive um okay. but uh the one last thing I want to talk about, because I always like to draw a correlation, doctor to, to dentist, and how this can bring value to their lives and what may mm-hmm. be you know, your or plaguing, whatever it is, whoever we have on the show. And the other thing I was kind of looking at when I was preparing for your, your talk was, you know, there's something called sitting, di- sitting disease. And Craig, being um, Craig, Craig, does more of kind of doesn't sit it for long periods of time, but I do when I practice. Like yesterday, I was in a case and it was, it was a five hour case directly sitting. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, and there's, I was looking at how, how, you know, the sitting is kind of is toxic for your body from a whole lot of levels, especially sitting, you know, um, you know, not getting up with breaks and whatnot, but so not as sexy as a topic, but you know, what, um, what, what do you, what do you hear on that?
2: Yeah. So just, you know, and that does tie into longevity as well. So our activity in life, so they've done studies looking at people who are very sedentary in their job, and they don't work out, they they looked at sedentary, and they work out, and then the people who have more activity in their job, and they work out, that's the healthiest group of people. Hmm. So even if you're sedentary all day long, but then you do exercise, you're still behind the power curve a little bit compared to the people who can get up and walk around and actually have an active um, uh, job where they're during the day uh, or, or moving around. Our bodies are designed to move. Uh, some people say that we're designed to run two miles a day you know so just think about the species before we were civilized in our cubicles you know we were out having to look for our food we had to search and always on the move food and water and that sort of thing but now um they've really limited that we stuck us inside and and put us in a chair so that you it's just like with aging so whenever you go inactive or sedentary, you start to decay. So the people that are have the healthiest aging, that's one of the, the, the elements of success with that is like continued activity. Hmm. Yeah, Perpetual activity, a- mental activity.
0: <clears throat> you know, the U.S. Uh, News & World Report, top jobs, you know, how dentistry and dental hygiene have always been at the top, you know, at least in the top five. We've, we've enjoyed those um, those rewards uh, as of the last five years. But when you see the cons listed in their job, the recurring con, and the and the reason why it's not scored higher for hygiene and dentist is not walking enough, um, or not moving enough, sedentary. Mm-hmm. And and I also read some interesting research that says like of all the exercises that are most linked to health. And I'd love for you to punch holes in this, Lynn, if this is not correct. But walking is one of the best. I mean, I don't even think of walking as an exercise. I always, I love when I look at my garment and I've done like 12 or 15,000 steps. I feel better those days. But is that is that true? Is there some really positive correlation just to walking?
2: Um, so yes, yeah, so it's activity and it's, it's moving. Um, the 10,000 steps thing, you always hear people, oh, 10,000 steps is my goal for that. The, the study's not... As clear about that. So I don't know of the study that actually proved that 10,000. It sounds reasonable, you know. We all say, well, yeah, that's a, a good amount of steps per day. But I don't know if the study has been done that actually proved that it was 10,000. But somewhere along the way, it sounded like it a was good by number. Fitbit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> could be. Cool. Um, um, I'm it gives people a goal, though. It gives you a goal, yeah, you know, to, to do that. You know, so that's where that helps people move, and that's how the Fitbits work. Many times, is it. It's a, it's a motivator. It gives people a goal.
1: Yeah. And
2: then the other place that helps keep people healthy and well is community with that. So what they figured out that if you can have a Fitbit community, if you can make an app, if you can make an app that shows me my friends. You can mm-hmm. make an app, even if they're not my friends, a group of people that are like me and see where I rank on that. Uh, that's actually one of the success factors for compliance and, and, and accountability. Almost. Well I want to I
0: wanna congratulate all the listeners um of this podcast right now because you're actually doing something that's very healthy for you by enjoying the sense of community of the bulletproof dental practice. That's it's actually oh, But relieving. you are
1: sitting probably when you're when you're digesting. No, not
0: necessarily. If you're sitting right yeah. now you should get up and move around a little bit, but you're you're doing a good thing by listening here. You're probably so, adding days to your life.
1: <laughs> Doc, before we jump into the second part, is there anything that, that you feel like we've glossed over or Craig and I just yes? pontificated about that didn't give you a chance to speak on that that you feel like should be mentioned that would be of value and, um, and we didn't cover
2: yeah so I just kind of reiterate to this kind of medicine is really a health and wellness medicine it looks for what makes you healthy and well not just what makes you sick you don't have to wait till you're sick to come and, and do these things these are things that we probably should all do as an adult um, mm-hmm. and I even see some younger people 20s even teens you know if I find You know, parents that have all these risk factors, like okay, I want my children tested. You know, so we can give them a nutrition plan and maybe help them look out for things that they need to be aware of early on, so they never develop you know those diseases. Mm -hmm. And it's the approach, it's looking at the whole person, it's looking at all the aspects that influence our our health. And we use something called systems biology, where all of our body systems are really linked; they influence each other. So you know, we're not just looking at an eye. We're not just looking at a tooth. We're not just looking at the heart. We're looking at the, the whole picture
1: The whole systemic approach, I mean, yeah. 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 That's good. I think, you know, and that's pretty, like Craig had alluded to, that's big in, in dentistry. We, you know, we have the whole systemic connection. And, and so a lot of dentists have that conversation with their patient. Like, look, you know, heart attack and, and periodontal disease are, are, are correlated very strongly, as are some mm-hmm. cancers and some, you know, um, and insulin, you know, there's a there's a sick, you know, what comes first, you know, a rise in HbA1c or a rise in inflammation, you know, and so it's like this, this virtuous right. cycle that, you know, um, so it's really important in diabetics. So I'm glad that, you know, and I have more and more physicians getting clearance now from their patients than for surgery than I ever have. It used to be when I'm beginning of my career, never, never. And now I probably get, you know, two or three a week from people trying to get clearance.
2: Wow. So, That's
1: cool. I have a I have
0: a uh, question if you don't mind. <clears throat> is there any correlation between resting heart rate and health?
2: Yes, actually. So that's looking at your cardiovascular conditioning, and part of the reason that's true it has to go back to the the stress balance. So even even just a change of five beats per minute from your resting heart rate is an early sign when people are overreach or overtraining, right? But also conditioning shows a slower heart rate in general and it has to do with your sympathetic parasympathetic balance right so when we're conditioned which is part of the reason why conditioning is cardioprotective is the parasympathetic tone helps to slow the heart rate down and it relaxes blood vessels blood pressure is lower so yeah there's actually a correlation sort of the next step past that and all like the Fitment and the Garmin people of the world are trying to figure out how can we give you something called heart rate variability? What so is that? Heart rate variability is the, the variability of the distance between your heartbeat. Got it. So, so when we're, we're really stressed, the heartbeat variability goes down and just have a very solid, straight heartbeat that goes straight, 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 straight. There's no variability. Normally when we're talking when we're breathing, our heart rate kind of slows and speeds up. And so heart rate variability is another key indicator for cardiovascular health. Um, You've gotta have a personal um, um, monitor, you know, on your wrist that can measure it so precisely. So that's been kind of a challenge for some of the wrist monitors. So Polar actually has a wrist and a chest monitor that can can detect that close enough to be able to do heart rate variability. Interesting. there's, There's some apps out there that can help you kind of measure that to look at that. Very cool. So, yeah. so in
0: general, though, just so I understand, in general, the lower the resting heart rate, the better, or you can't quite say that.
2: Yeah. So in general, you have your the person is likely to be more conditioned if the um, heart rate, your resting heart rate, is slower. Got like it. Like on your Garmin, probably, and on the Fitbit, you can get your morning, you know, wake up if you wear your your um, device to bed, you can get your morning heart rate upon waking, and that's kind of the gauge and kind of compare that timer. Many of them will graph it out for you, and you can see. So our, our runners and people that are training for Ironmans or marathons, you can kind of see where they are and they, they look at their resting heart rate every single day. And if that's climbing, then they've got to look at, okay, are they in a little bit of an overreach uh, situation with their training? Mm, uh, and certainly if it's staying high, then maybe they're, they're over training. So they need to look at, you know, what their rest intervals are. Are they getting enough protein? You know, are they on the wrong training matrix? You know, sometimes they have aggressive goals, you know, I'm gonna run a marathon. Next month, (laughs) they put themselves on these sort of um, rapid-paced training. So you got to watch watch that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Uh I remember I was going to run a marathon, um, a half marathon. When was that? That was in 2012. I had to look at my award over there. And I went to the cardiologist beforehand. It was a really old-school cardiologist, like my dad's friend. The place looked like it was just falling apart. I barely fit in there. Like it was such a (laughs) low-drop feeling. (laughs) I'm six foot five. And I said to the guy, I'm like, listen, I want to get a stress test. Cause I'm going to run a half marathon. I just want to make, I'm not trained. I just ran it. And I remember him just like, get out of here. You're fine. Like you're, you know, if you can run a mile, you don't need an yeah. EKG. Like it's just, there's such a difference. There's such a dichotomy in what we're talking about, the type of medicine that you're practicing mm-hmm. and what we're, what is out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, yeah. I, I there in, in my local area, while we're talking, there's no one here that's doing what you're talking about. No mm-hmm. one. And, and I mean, that's exactly what, I, I've been looking for that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I might be flying up to Atlanta.
1: There you All go. Right. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, it massively helps us create awareness if you would take five seconds and leave us a review in iTunes. Also, Stay in touch with our updates and such by just texting the word bulletproof, all one word, to 345-345. We promise not to bombard you with spam texts or anything, but it will help update you on special opportunities for our listeners, as well as even info on the upcoming Bulletproof Summit 2019. Again, that's the word bulletproof to 345-345. Thanks so much, y'all. Have a great day.